This is Conducting Business. I'm Naomi Lewin. Classical music's ability to soothe the weary soul has been used to market everything from yoga classes to an endless supply of albums with titles like The Most Relaxing Classical Music in the Universe. Some people say this is a good thing and should be embraced in our distracted, stressed-out world, but others argue that the recording industry and even radio stations have oversold the stress-buster angle of classical music, which feeds a misperception that it's benevolent, benign, and boring. To debate this, we are joined by two guests. Michael Morial is on the line. He is a classical music blogger and producer at CBC Music in Toronto, where he manages that radio network's Serenity Stream. With me in the studio is Patrick Castillo, a composer who recently wrote an opinion piece for Minnesota Public Radio called Beethoven Didn't Write the Eroica Symphony for Your Yoga Class. Patrick, I'm going to start with you. In your essay, you say that great classical music isn't designed to relax. It exists to titillate, to terrify, to annihilate. Really? Annihilate? What drove you to write that? Sure. Well, I should place this in a little bit of context. First of all, um, if you read the blog, the way that it was published online, each of those verbs was linked to a specific piece of music. So I'm not suggesting the opposite rationale that Handel wrote the Messiah to annihilate the audience. I think that was linking to uh, an emotionally devastating movement of the Messiaen Quartet for the end of time. Uh, But to place my editorial in context, I was responding to a piece that Minnesota Public Radio had previously published in which a freelance writer listed 10 times where classical music can help you to relax. And I don't remember all 10, but it was things like while studying, while having an argument with your spouse and the sort of denouement of the piece was keep it at a low volume to help you drift off to sleep at night. And I I thought this was lunacy, to put it maybe a little too harshly. I think that uh, a lot of people who read my editorial misunderstood uh, a crucial point, which is that I was not um, attempting to pass judgment on the individual listener who maybe has some Mozart on while they're washing dishes. I mean, I have Mozart on at home while I'm washing the dishes. What I took exception to was, and and you put it beautifully in in your lead-in, is that this as a marketing strategy has been so adamantly embraced by our bastions of the culture, by our recording companies, by too many radio stations, orchestras, critics, etc., the classical music for relaxation angle. Uh, So, I mean, I I, I think that it's, it's a trope that is on a lot of people's minds in our community. And needs to be brought to light more because, I mean, again, as I pointed out, I think, in the editorial, our challenge, whether this is real or perceived, feels much more challenging day by day to be advocating for our art form without falling into, you know, the the, the kind of easy strategy, I think, of, hey, you, you, you have to do your chores anyway. Have you tried putting on some Haydn symphonies in the background while you're doing it? Am I, I, I just don't think that that's the right angle to take. Michael, what do you as Mr. Serenity Stream have to say to this? (laughs) Well, you know, classical music can be so many different things. It can pump you up. It can intrigue you. uh, It can challenge you. It can introduce you to some new ideas. Uh, But yes, a small piece of that classical music pie is that classical music is great for relaxing you or helping you focus on something. Uh, You know, one of the great old traditions uh, in the classical music world is talking about how it's dying, right, of course. Um, the, you know, 
audiences are growing old, there's less people going to the concerts. And if you do this really interesting thing, you can go into a university library or a college library and walk around and everyone will be wearing earphones. And I bet, I bet you if you go to half of these people, half of them will be listening to these relaxing classical mixes at some point. I do this research where I go on YouTube and just search very generic classical music terms. I'll search classical music or I'll search piano or strings or whatever. And these videos come up, uh, you know, three hours of relaxing classical music or five hours of serene piano music. And they've been viewed by millions and millions of people. Uh, One of them that I was looking at had seven million views, which is, you know, more than what would see any orchestra across America or across Canada in one year, it seems like. So these numbers show us that this is how a lot of people choose to interact with classical music. And how is the Um, Serenity Stream doing? The Serenity Stream is not only one of our most popular classical streams on CBC Music, but even uh, above a lot of the pop streams that we offer. So uh, we're seeing that it's a place where a lot of people come to. And so these people who choose to listen to the classical Serenity Stream, um, it's too bad because they're missing a a huge chunk of that classical music pie that I was mentioning. You know, they're missing hearing a huge uh, build of a Bruckner symphony or the angst of a late Beethoven string quartet, or they're missing out being enthralled by a lot of new music. Uh, And if this is the only classical music that these people are listening to, it's too bad, but it's better than nothing at all. Patrick, is there an argument to be made that anything you do to get people interested in classical music is good, and if relaxation gets them in the door, they might start to explore some more and hear that whole Bruckner symphony? If there were data, if there were evidence that showed that people who are, that those 7 million people clicking on those YouTube videos are indeed, you know, three, five, ten years down the line becoming orchestra subscribers, then yes, hats off. But but I don't think that that's happening. But actually, uh, in in response to what Michael just said, I I want to address a couple of things. One is that because this was was part of the response that that I heard a lot of as well, saying yes, but studies have shown that the great majority of listeners of classical music radio are seeking out those stations for relaxation, and I think well. Sure they are, but I don't think that that necessarily means that the audience dictates the mission statement of the institution. This is too harsh an analogy, but I mean, there's a demand for nicotine too, but that doesn't make the satisfaction of that demand the right decision necessarily. But for me, the equation is backwards when people say, but this is why people are seeking out these stations and therefore we're satisfying that need. The other thing is that I I agree with Michael. In fact, I, I think that I mean, we've been invited to sort of debate this point. I think we probably agree at the end of the day on on most of our perspectives. There is classical music, of course, that can be very relaxing. My point is not, you know, how dare you put your feet up at the end of the day while you you put the records on. My point is that active listening should be encouraged as a means of inspiring some sort of visceral connection. And that visceral connection could be terror. It could be seduction. It could be release, catharsis, what we, you know, one of the things that we call relaxation. But I don't think that classical music for relaxation CDs are branded in that way necessarily. I think that those things are marketed more in the spirit of this whole swath of music in existence can exist unobtrusively in the background while you're going about your daily chores. Michael, do you think you are in some way doing this music a disservice by relegating it to the background and not asking that people engage with it at all? You know, I think there's this wonderful thing about going to classical music concerts. And I think the reason why so many people do it, uh, this touches on Patrick's point too, we live in this world, you know, tweets are coming in at a mile a minute. We're bombarded with information, advertisements, and emails all the time. 
And going to a concert for a lot of people, not everyone, of course, uh, is you know their biggest ways of exercising active listening. Um, because it's so difficult with recordings, but in actual live concert experience, active listening is made so much easier.、Um, so these people coming to these relaxing mixes, I think, are trying to replicate that concert hall experience. I think ultimately with classical music, a little bit of active listening is fantastic. A little bit of passive listening is fantastic too. Like I say, the better this than nothing at all. What qualifies a piece of music for your serenity stream? Do you search out a specific tempo or key signature or whatever? Of course. Well, we're looking for energy levels, and we have music from right across the spectrum on it. We started with you know these big hits that you'd find on the、uh, classical relaxing CDs you'd see at the drugstore, from the Debussy Clair de Lune to the Von Williams Fantasia on a theme of Thomas Tallis.、Um, but we also have a whole bunch of new music in there too that people. Wouldn't be hearing otherwise.、Uh, we have this fantastic Canadian composer named Marian Mazetich. I don't know if you play him on WQXR at all,、um, but he writes this wonderful post-neo-romantic minimalist music、uh, that is fantastic for relaxing. And of course, a lot of Philip Glass solo piano music makes it onto it too. So we're looking for music that has, you know, a steady volume, a steady、uh, pace, and just that will allow people to、um, relax. Is there any risk that? I mean, people relax to music like that will marginalize music that doesn't relax you, and composers whose music doesn't fit into your your box. There, it's like I say. I hope that、uh, people who listen to this music realizes that this is a small piece of the classical pie.、Um, I hope they think, oh, well, if music can、uh, classical music can relax me, maybe I can listen to it when I go to the gym. Maybe I can put on some quick Vivaldi and listen to it while I work out, or maybe I can.、Uh, Hear new sounds by going to a new music concert that's near me. I hope that it will be、uh, a gateway drug into something much greater. Patrick, what do you say to the going to the gym angle? Well, minus the going to the gym angle, but emphatically in agreement with the new music concert angle, I share Michael's hope. I do hope that the Serenity Stream and、uh, and, and and other resources like it can indeed be a gateway drug. I'm just pessimistic based on my own experience in the field. I haven't seen. Sort of gateway drug strategies to work. I'm very open to being proven wrong and persuaded otherwise. There has been some research, a study published a couple of years ago in the、uh, in the Journal of Cardiothoracic Surgery, found that classical music might help patients recover from surgery by boosting the immune system. And some hospitals have music therapists who play for patients. Can we blame classical music groups for wanting a piece of that? If that's true, I'm not familiar with the study that you're citing. But if that's true, then that's even a greater testament to the power of this repertoire. I mean, if putting on a Beethoven string quartet has a tangible effect on a convalescent in a hospital, I mean, first of all, I mean that's a very different circumstance than you know my mom doing chores around the house, right? I mean, if that music is being put on with the active hope of the listener's engagement. Resulting in some profound benefit. I mean, I think that that's an even greater argument against, you know, hey, put this on, you know, softly in elevators around the country. Classical music has also been used to drive away loiterers at convenience stores. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Is this sort of the evil twin of the relaxation thing? <laughs> well,、or? I think it's symptomatic of the relaxation thing. I mean, this is exactly the the. Kind of trajectory that that I'm so pessimistic about that that the mantra of classical music as relaxation is a kind of equivalent to classical music is 
boring, is not exciting, is something that doesn't appeal to younger listeners, dot, 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 to the point where it gets to, you know, well, we don't want these, you know, high school dropout delinquents smoking their cigarettes out in front of our CVS. Let's put on some Beethoven 9. You both say that you hope that the relaxation listeners will take the next step to listen to more other kinds of music. What responsibility, if any, do labels or radio stations have to show those relaxation listeners the next step and make them more engaged? Especially in 2014, people can access music so easily. Um, so if people were to enter into a streaming music service and see a classical Serenity stream and listen to that, that's fantastic. Um, but it makes it the service provider makes it so easy to click on uh, Modern Masters or Canadian Composers or whatever the case may be. Uh, responsibility, I think we want to offer a wide variety of music uh, because we are so passionate in believing in the fact that there is so much classical music to offer. Do you on your website have a little thing that if you like this composer, click here to learn more? Yes, um, we offer all our classical streams and we move them around and uh, we, on one, there'll be a little advertisement for another. So we hope that people will uh, do that exploring. Um, but heck, we want to let the people listen to what they want to listen to. And Patrick, what do you say to the responsibility issue? Sure. I mean, well, look, I, I agree with let people listen to what they want to listen to. And inevitably, that's going to include hey, Mozart 488 was soothing to my nerves at the end of a long day. I don't think that classical music as a means of relaxation is in danger of you know vanishing from our lexicon any time in the next several generations. I think that the responsibility of record labels, etc., is to resist that as a basic strategy, which is not only a basic strategy, it seems like the dominant strategy of, I mean, like you say, I mean, you're not going to find the DG catalog at the checkout aisle of Walgreens, but you are going to see these sort of, you know, 100 best uh, tranquilizer pieces uh, from the classical repertoire. And <laughs> and I think that, that that strategy for the uninitiated listener who does not already know the great breadth of the repertoire available is not going to realize necessarily, oh, if I like this composer, you know, if I like Mozart, maybe Mozart wrote something in D minor that's up-tempo. I mean, I, I think that the effect here is that classical music is being painted with a very broad brush for the general listener. I mean, look, I've done outreach events where we've brought, you know, pieces by Webern and heard heard these kids saying like, I thought you were doing classical music, but that, that seemed sort of like anti-music because I thought classical music, you know, I think of it as relaxing. I mean, this, this is almost verbatim, something that I heard presenting the Webern three pieces for cello and piano at a high school outreach presentation. I mean, this is not because, you know, these kids are like Philistines or anything. It's, it's that classical music has culturally been presented to them in this kind of neat, tidy package by record labels saying, you know, this is something to put on in the background while you're studying or trying to go to bed. That's a really good point, um, Patrick, and I think that's a huge difference between education and what the uh, record labels or radio stations or streaming services are offering. Uh, if, if I came across a high school music teacher who said, you know, I want these kids to know that classical music is for relaxing and that's all I'm going to teach them, I would be very angry and very upset because um, we, of course, expect something much wider from education. Um, but when you think of record label executives or radio station programmers, seeing that there are millions and millions of people watching these YouTube videos how could you blame them, really? Well, I do. I, I, that's where we disagree. I do blame them because I think, I think that those circumstances make the jobs of the executives at record labels and artistic programming departments at orchestras and sta radio stations and other institutions, I think that 
those circumstances, those broader cultural circumstances make those responsibilities more important, not less important. And I think that the standards uh, should be, you know, equally high to, after all, the number one resource for 99.9% of the population to discover and to initially engage with any with any of this repertoire to begin with. So any ideas on how actually to take people further into the repertoire? An all Zanakis station. No, I don't know. I mean, I think that thoughtful programming with an artistic impetus behind it. I think programming that comes from a place of passion for the art form rather than desperation for the casual listener. For me, I, th- I think that that's more the imperative that, that I would hope to see behind the, the various institutions that, that, are, that are adopting the strategy. Those are super important words. And I think uh, when I'm programming the CBC Music Classical Serenity Stream, uh, yes, I'm hoping that it is very thoughtful and passionate programming. I'm hoping that we kind of meet in the middle when we say that, hey, you're going to get this WC Claire de Lune, um, but watch out for this uh, Philip Glass or this Steve Reich that uh, you've never heard before and is going to take you on a whole different path. Or the Zanakas. <laughs> Maybe. Thank you both for joining us. Thanks, Nancy. Thank you. It's fun. Thanks, Patrick. Nice to meet you, Michael. Thank you. We've been speaking with composer Patrick Castillo and CBC Radio's Michael Morial. Brian Wise is the producer of Conducting Business. I'm Naomi Lewin. Thanks for listening.